Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. This is David Walker, and I'm joined by my co-host, the amazing and forever mad online, Gina Kelly. Gina, how are you? I'm doing great, David. Thank you. How are you? I am fantastic. Happy that my friend has gotten her second 5G antenna coverage vaccine shot, as you did today. Listen, I probably will not drop off this podcast because that signal's got to be strong now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm so happy for you. It's 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 uh, on a personal note. Uh, very glad that you're going to get to go out now and enjoy that. So very happy for you, pal. Thank you, um, thank you, pal. All right, uh, we have a special guest on the podcast today to talk about the Falcons' new leadership uh, and what that may mean for the upcoming 2021 NFL Draft. If you guys didn't know. If you're listening to this podcast, yes, there is an upcoming NFL draft at the end of this month, uh, and the Falcons are sort of in an interesting position. We're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, she covers the Falcons at the always excellent, the athletic, the one and only Tori McLaney. Did I say that right, Tori? Yeah, yeah. You were real close. It's McElhaney. So McElhaney. like really close, but yeah, I, I'd give it to you. I'd give you points for that because <laughs> I've gotten anything and everything and that was very close. So you get, you get at least two points for that. Thank you. I, I will take those two points uh, as a guy whose name is as vanilla as it comes. Um, <laughs> so thank you, Tor- Tori. Thank you for joining us. Um, really, really uh, appreciate you being on here and please, uh, I, I think, the athletic you guys have uh do you still have the the special deal going on right now no we just ended it literally this week yeah everybody just missed the one dollar subscription deal but fear not we'll be doing one before the draft so i have no doubt that people will be able to subscribe on a new deal very very soon excellent also i just want to say it is worth the full price um it's it's really excellent coverage and not just of the Falcons, it's, it's, it's excellent coverage of the Falcons, but really just all sports. I've been really impressed with that across the board. Yeah, yeah I know that for me, I, I was subscribed to The Athletic before I even was hired by The Athletic. I just enjoyed <laughs> reading. I knew Seth Emerson, who now covers uh, Georgia, fo- or who covers Georgia football for us. Uh, he, I worked with him for a very long time, and when he went to The Athletic, I was like, all right, well, I know the work that Seth is going to do. Like, I'm going to subscribe to The Athletic, and then, you know, six months later, they hired me, and I was like, all right, this was meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have a good track record already, and of course, uh, your colleague, Jeff Schultz, uh, has been covering the Falcons for, I think, 300 years. Uh, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So he is certainly uh, a veteran in the Atlanta um, scene. All right. So on that note, uh, Tori, you, you sort of came in, I think towards the back end of Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn's time in Atlanta. Is that right? 
Yeah. So I started, it was really crazy because I kind of had just like a two week heads up that I was going to be jumping over to cover the Falcons. I'd previously been, been covering Georgia Tech and uh, it was like the week before training camp started. So <laughs> I, it was, it was literally like drinking water out of a fire hydrant. Like I tell people that like, that's really what it felt like the, the first month on the job. And then, you know, we get into the season and they're losing and then they fired Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov. And then it, it, I was like, well, you know, maybe it's me. I started to think that like it's me because when I was at UGA, Mark Rick left. When I was at Georgia Tech, Paul Johnson left. Now I've been with the Falcons and Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov left. It's like, at what point do I, do I come to the realization that I'm the curse that's bringing all this upon these coaches? <laughs> I, I I think there's going to be some fans that are going to say you're the opposite of a curse if you're <laughs> <laughs> true. So, uh, we're we're going to take the positive slant on that, Tori. Um, but on that note, you you did get to see uh, the former GM, the former head coach, and now you're getting to welcome in and, and see you know Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith. What are some of your early impressions of the two new guys in the organization? Uh, really, I mean, the first brand new faces since 2008, which was, or I'm sorry, yeah, 2008 when Thomas Dimitrov first came in. What are your impressions of Fontenot and Smith so far? So I, I love their stories. And I'll, I'll say this because I think the, both of their stories, how they came into their own in these professions is very interesting. And I think it's very unique. You see so much loyalty with Arthur Smith in Tennessee and then Terry Fontenot with New Orleans. And it's really great because you look at, just for example, you look at what Arthur Smith was able to do in Tennessee, he literally worked his way all the way up to offensive coordinator. And he did so during all these different coaching changes. You don't see that very often. He not only survived these coaching changes, but he thrived through them. And I think that's so telling to yeah. what people think of when they think of Arthur Smith and, and what he has been able to do throughout his career. And then switching over to Terry Fontenot, here's someone who came in as a marketing intern in New Orleans and worked his way up. So here are two guys who know what it means to be loyal, know what it means to put in the work and really know what it means to grow from the ground up. And I think that's something you don't always get to see, especially the loyalty part of it, where they were with the same organizations for years. So that to me, almost more than anything else is what I find the most interesting about these two guys. That is a really good point. I think from, we've heard a lot of the stuff concerning the, the job performance and, you know, their exposure to guys like Mickey Loomis. And then obviously, mm -hmm. um, you know, Arthur Smith having worked with Dean Pease it's, you know, when he was in Tennessee and bringing him now to Atlanta. Um, and I, I, don't, I think that's the first time I've heard someone highlight that unique quality of both those guys. Um, Gina, I, I know for us internally, uh, <laughs> there were several of us that were, angling, hoping that Arthur Smith would be the next head coach of the Falcons and actually turn out that way. Um, mm -hmm. Your impressions of what you've seen so far from Fontenot and Smith and uh, what you think there's their distinction is maybe compared to the last regime. Yeah. Um, so far I've been very impressed. You know, they both seem very smart, you know, great football minds. They seem to have a good rapport already, which I think is very important. Um, and yeah, I mean, just in a bigger picture sense, it's kind of fun to go into a draft where Thomas Dimitrov 
doesn't have the reins because we really have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> you know? and like you can usually figure it out with Thomas, but um, yeah, it's kind of fun going into it, you know, really not knowing what to expect from these guys and um, yeah, having some anticipation there for a change. Yeah, we do have uncertainty. Of course, we will ask Tori to give us a definitive 100% accurate answer on who the Falcons <laughs> will draft on draft night. Um, no pressure, um, Tori. But <laughs> also, we are wrong all the time, so it really doesn't matter. Honestly, I, I said some, I did a mailbag that's going to run on Friday morning, and one of the questions was like, uh, what, what's the smoke screen is the smoke screen drafting a quarterback or drafting Kyle Pitts or trading down. And I was like, yes, they're all smoke screens because <laughs> no one knows what the heck is happening in Atlanta. Yes. That's a great point. Um, okay. I, I do want to talk as well about some of the free agent signings because, um, you know, there's, you can go shopping at uh, Nordstrom's and, and the high end uh, walls and you can go shopping at, Target and you can go shopping at Walmart. And I feel like the Falcons have had to resort to Dollar Tree this offseason. <laughs> Maybe with the exception. I'm sorry to anyone who likes Dollar Tree. I hope that wasn't overly <laughs> offensive. Um, but uh, I, except for maybe one player, I think that stands out as maybe a quality or decent signing. And, and actually, I think you can make the case that all these guys are pretty good um, for what they're being paid. Um, <laughs> But your thoughts, Tori, sort of overall on the signings the Falcons have had to make, again, I think with the understanding that the salary cap situation was just a disaster for them, um, yeah. for, for Fontenot coming in. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And I think that's why I wasn't surprised at all by the moves the Falcons have made in free agency. Because I said even back in January, February, I, I'm trying to remember the last time we talked to Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith. Um, but the very first, I guess it was right before, the, it was like the quote-unquote combine news conference that we had with the, with the both of them. And I, I remember Terry Fontenot saying, you know, we have to find value. Like, we have to find those value guys. And we have to be able to put on our scout hats and go find some diamond in the rough guys. And, and I said then, even before we had that press conference, I was like, Atlanta's going to be like Oprah, you know, in her show where she's like, you get a car, you get a car. And it's like, the Falcons are going to be like, you get a one-year deal, you get a one-year deal. And that's exactly what's happened. And, and I, so it's not surprising at all, especially considering the just uphill battle Terry Fontenot had just to get under the cap. Right. And I think mm -hmm. we just knew going into it that, okay, the Falcons don't have a lot of money to play with. They just don't. And unless they can figure out a way to get more money, they're just going to have to fill needs and, and pick and choose places and only give one-year deals so that they're not eating up more money in 2022, 2023 that they already are having to take into account. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and Gina, along those lines, uh, as Tori noted, they had to play some magic with the numbers. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's there's three notable moves the Falcons made to to free up cap space. The biggest one, of course, that uh, I want to say it shocked people, but I think if you were paying attention to the numbers, it, his deal was going to be touched one way or the other. Was Matt Ryan, yeah, uh, yeah. And converting his salary to a bonus, which pushes uh, it, Ryan gets the same amount of cash. To be clear uh, to people out there, we've talked about that in the past, um, but the cap hit gets deferred into future years, of course. 
making it harder to cut him in 2022 and 2023. Um, so there was that deal. Um, the Dante Fowler pay cut, which I was stunned by, if we're being honest here, I thought, uh, actually, I thought that was a really good move for Fontenot. Um, and then getting uh, Deion Jones to agree to shifting some of his pay from 2021 to 2022 in exchange for the 2022 contract or, or the salary that year to become fully guaranteed. Um, mm. Of these deals, which one do you think was the most significant yeah, within you know the context of Fontenot being a first-time general manager and him you know really having to come in and hit the ground running uh, for getting the, the Falcons under salary cap? Yeah, well, I think the element of this that was most impressive to me with a first-time GM is that, you know, not only were they going to be dealing with the salary cap situation, but it was so much lower for everybody than, right. you know, because of the COVID revenues this year. And so, um, yeah, I think that it was really impressive work. And I think that it shows, you know, how much players like Dion are buying into the future of this team. Um, as far as Matt Ryan, you know, I know the fan base is very riled up about him one way or the other at all times. Um, <laughs> but Matt, Matt Ryan has, you know, you don't, franchise quarterbacks don't grow on trees. Yes, there are some very good rookies available this year um, who will be available in this first, you know, four picks. But um he just, he's a proven guy. Like, you know what you're getting with him. He is a franchise quarterback. And so locking him up for another two years, definitely his, at his age, it's time to start thinking about life after Matt Ryan. But, um, you know, I know a lot of people were not thrilled about that deal because it does make it harder to move on from Matt Ryan and because of the quarterbacks that are available and the Falcons having the fourth overall pick. But yeah, I mean, I think that of all of the deals, I think that that one, was particularly important because it was necessary to actually get under the under the cap. And I think that it also gives them a lot of flexibility with the fourth pick. Yeah. And to that point, and I, I want to emphasize this because I've seen people say, oh, they should have just, you know, done this or that. And um, number one, uh, I think they wanted to keep options open for guys like Deion Jones and Grady Jarrett. Uh, and number two, restructuring Ryan got them under the cap immediately. Uh, yeah. And it's important to note the NFL, unlike other sports leagues, takes the salary cap extremely seriously. The last team that defied the salary cap was the Dallas Cowboys, and it was in the league negotiation year. And the NFL took away their first round pick the following season for defying the salary cap. So they take it extremely seriously, and you have to be under the cap. There are severe penalties if you do not get under the cap. Um, mm -hmm. So there was no wiggle room. Uh, Fontenot had to get it done. I think, uh, and, and Tori, I think your, your reporting even reflected that he knew he had to get it done. And that was sort of the easiest path to get there. Uh, so on those lines, um, of those three moves, uh, what are your thoughts on the restructure of Ryan, the Fowler pay cut, Deion Jones, and then we'll talk about Grady Jarrett next. Yeah. I, and I will say this is because, I mean, we'll talk, we'll get to Grady Jarrett, but that was the, the, the fact that we have not seen Grady Jarrett's contract be touched yet. I think that more than the, more than Matt Ryan, more than Dion, more than Dante, that move is very interesting to me because here the whole time we're getting into free agency, we're getting into the start of the league year. I'm sitting there being like, all right, you don't want Grady Jarrett to go anywhere. He is the heart and soul of this defense. You want to keep him around for as long as you can, and they're going to extend him or restructure him. And 
then it comes out, oh, no, they're doing Matt Ryan's contract. And it was like, oh, okay. And then it's like, oh, they get, they have a pay cut for Dante Fowler, which made sense to me. I know you said you were a, you were shocked by that. I, I definitely saw the value in doing that. And I think oh, 100%. It, like it, it absolutely made sense to me. And, and just kind of knowing where we left Dante Fowler at the end of the year in our very last conversation, he knew he didn't play to the level of which the Falcons needed him. I think mm-hmm. he saw this coming. Um, so I think it, all the, and then of course like Dion too, but not touching Grady Jarrett's contract has been the most interesting, I guess, non-move that Terry Fontenot has made. And I mean, it definitely could be coming. They could be working on an extension as we speak. Like, don't quote me on that, but you know, it's always a possibility because they do need to get more cash for the draft to sign their right. draft class. So I think it probably has to still be on the docket because I don't know where else you're going to get, you know, that that cap relief from. Uh, <laughs> but we're running out of options here. So I, I think that has to be coming at some point soon. Yeah, and to that point, Grady Jarrett is still just 27 years old. So he is absolutely in his prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, his current deal, his, the last year of his deal was 2022. Um so he's he's got just two more years of play guaranteed with the Falcons. Um, it, it feels like to me that they want to get something more long-term locked in for him because I think at this point it's inarguable that Grady Jarrett is absolutely the best player on the defensive side of the ball without question. Yep. Um, <laughs> and he is the kind of player that you build your future defense around no matter what kind of scheme you're running. He is a disruptive interior pass rusher, and those are hard to find. Um, so is it your, do you think that Fontenot is, is keeping him out there because we know he's got a big cap hit this year. And and to your point, they do not have the cap space to get the rookie class signed yet. (laughs) They, unless they've found an NFL money tree, uh, that they can grow uh, cap space on Jared is the most likely move. And it seems like a restructure or an extension may be the better way to get there and lock him up at the same time. Yeah, no, I think that has to be the move. Like, I, again, I don't know where else do you, I don't know where else that money comes from. And I think that it would mean a lot to how you view Grady Jarrett. Cause like what you're saying, he is the best defender the Falcons have. And I think you want to keep him around because that was another thing is people were talking about like, Oh, Dean Pease is going to come in and he's going to convert to a three, four. And like we're gonna figure they're gonna figure out something different for Grady Jarrett but like Grady Jarrett can play in a 3-4 like it's not like Mm -hmm. Dean Pease is gonna come in here and be like no I don't want to work with Grady Jarrett that is (laughs) not going to happen Grady Jarrett is a great player he's one of the like what you're saying one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league I mean you look at how much he was double teamed in 2020 and he's here's a guy also that I think has only gotten better with age Mm -hmm. so he's still very much I think on the rise on an incline and I mean it just makes sense to me it makes so much sense and the fact that we haven't seen it done yet I'm like okay but when's it gonna happen yeah I think I'm Gina I I think I'm with Tori here I I feel like that has to be the move um yes yes obviously I agree you know, right now I'm looking at his numbers. 2021, he's got a base salary of 13 and a half million. If they do a salary conversion, they'll save enough money, um, mm-hmm. but it because they're going to push off some of that salary as a uh, as a bonus into 2022. But really, you're 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 just going to turn around and his cap hit in 2022 
is 23.8 million. So it's going to go up to like close to 30 million if you push off that cap. <laughs> that yeah. to me does not seem like a great move, uh, especially when you're talking about a player that, uh, you know, we all sort of agree is the center, the heart of the defense and still again, 27 years old. So he's got several good years, you know, left in him. As Tori mentioned, the guy has only gotten better and he's really hitting his prime. Um, is this a guy whose contract you want to just fiddle with and, and just, you know, play around with, or is this a guy you want to lock up long-term? No, I think absolutely extend him. I want Grady Jarrett to play here until he retires. Yeah. Uh, he's an, he's an exceptional player. Um, I still can't believe the Falcons were able to get him as such a steal on the draft. He has been, con- and like Tori said, I feel like he is a player who's gotten better with age. He is definitely the most consistent and the most important player on the defensive side of the ball. And yes, I think that they should absolutely extend him, go for a low cap hit this year, but extend him as long as you can keep him here forever. Yeah. <laughs> Where I'm concerned, <laughs> give him a 10 year deal. Um, this guy is a hundred, a hundred year deal. Make sure your bases are covered. <laughs> okay. Maybe not that long, but yeah. <laughs> With uh, that sounds like a Saints contract, so maybe Fonto could pull that off. <laughs> Honestly, he probably he probably could. Thinking about what the Saints have gotten, <laughs> um, we've given Grady Jarrett a hundred-year deal with ninety-five voidable years. Uh, um, I love it. That's uh, a, a Mickey Loomis uh, special right there. <laughs> All right, um, we're going to talk about some of the reports around the draft. We're going to talk about. Um, one of Tori's mock drafts, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I am joined by my co-host Gina Kelly and the one and only Tori McElhaney from The Athletic. <laughs> I got it right that time. You got it. Okay, now you get five points. Great yes. job. <laughs> and and you got my married last name right. So you get points for that. You got it right both times. I'm, so yeah. I am hitting nice on work. all cylinders. I should retire now. Um <laughs> All right. So we talked about, you know, some of the the stuff leading up to the draft, the the restructures and all this. But of course, we are in April. (sighs) The draft talk is all over the place. And (laughs) I I don't want to ask the question um, of what they're going to do, but we're going to ask the question. <laughs> we have to. That's, that's the question of the, of the whole month is like, what the heck are the Falcons going to do at number four? Truly. Um, but to set this up, I, I want to provide some, uh, you know, lay the groundwork. We, we all know, like at this point, the, the, the first pick is the Jaguars picking Trevor Lawrence. That's been in the cards from day one. Um, no one questions that anything is going to change there. If it does, it will be one of those stunning moves uh, we've seen in the draft. But we're assuming the Jags are going to take Trevor Lawrence. Um, mm-hmm. At number two, it really looks like now that Sam Darnold has been traded to uh, the Carolina Panthers, 
it certainly looks like they are going in on quarterback. The, the rumor right now is it's going to be Wilson. Uh, that seems to be their leaning. Of course, obviously, a lot of things can change before the draft, but it does look like the Jets at number two are going to also go at quarterback. And, of course, the 49ers stunned everybody with their massive deal with Miami to move up to number three, jump ahead of the Falcons, and they gave away two future first-round picks to move, make the move. Uh, this, obviously, unless you really think uh, that a guy like Panay Sewell or um, Kyle Pitts is going to change your franchise, you don't give up that much draft capital unless you're grabbing a franchise quarterback. So it is almost yeah. a certainty that the 49ers are going quarterback. So we are looking at, I think for the first time in the modern era, I may be wrong, we, we, we can go back and check this, that we're going to have three straight quarterbacks come off the board before the Falcons draft at number four. So that is where we're at. So really, and uh, it may have been you that said this, Tori, I, I may be wrong. So uh, really the draft starts at number four with the Falcons. Yeah. Like, picks one, two, and three, those are locked in. We, we don't think any more movement's going to happen there. It'd be very stunning. Um, and we're hearing now Chris Mortensen, who is, he is a longtime veteran reporter of the NFL. He's got a good reputation. Um, he had a report last week that said that um, uh, Arthur Smith wants to hold off on the QB. He thinks Ryan has a couple good years left. Uh, Terry Fontenot uh, wants Trey Lance, according to Chris Mortensen. Um, and that there is, I don't think he said contention, but I think the, he was alluding to that. Um, I want to ask you first, Tori, what do you think of that rumor? Do you think there's any truth to it? Or do you think we're into full-blown smoke season? Uh, full-blown smoke season. I don't really put a lot into, into that report at all. Um, just, I, I think we were going back to like the whole idea of Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot. Um, kind of already building that, I don't want to use the word camaraderie because I don't know if that's the right word, but they work well together. I think they have very similar standpoints. And while Arthur Smith has said, like he wants to ha like have different guys bringing different ideas. I don't know if there's, I have not heard of any contention about Arthur Smith wanting to stick with Matt Ryan and Terry Fonno wanting to pick up Trey Lance at number four. That's mm -hmm. not something which I have heard. Um, so I don't put a lot into that, but you think about it this way. The day that that report came out was also the day that Adam Schefter tweets out that the Falcons are open to moving down and trading back. <laughs> and it's just like, oh my gosh, it was literally like the same exact morning. If I'm rem remembering correctly, I, and I, literally, right. I literally tweeted out. I was like, you guys, like we do realize because everybody's freaking out. They're like, well, this person said this and this person said this. And I was like, you guys, like you do realize that these are, these have always been options for the Falcons. These didn't <laughs> just like drop out of the sky. Like the idea that the Falcons could trade back. Like they've been talking to teams, like they could trade back. Terry Fontenot said that in the, the combine uh, press conference that I was talking about earlier. I mean, there, he called it a prime spot to be at number four. So regardless of which way they go, all of those things have already been an option. It's just really, and truly, I said this in my mailbag. I was like, Smoke screens are going up left and right. And I really think that the smoke won't clear until we get really close to the draft. I'm almost banking on we won't really know where the Falcons are leaning until draft day. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm like, that's what I'm planning for. <laughs> oh, so well said. 
Um, Gina, within our little alcoholic dungeon where we do all of our scheming and conniving, um, mm-hmm. we when this report came out, we're like, oh my god, yeah, of course, yeah, you know, this and- now this is turning into one of these things. Yeah. And the thing is, though, and, and I think you know, just being completely honest, even if there is a difference of opinion, you know, the reality is they're going to have Matt Ryan on this roster because he's yeah. too expensive to move right. on from. And that really does not preclude them taking a quarterback to learn and develop behind Matt Ryan. Does it make sense to take one of those guys at four? Maybe not. Um, but, you know, in that case, you are in a prime position to either move back and get more draft capital to play with, or you are able to take a, you know, a game changing kind of player like a Kyle Pitts. And so I think that they are in a really good spot. And David, you and all of our longtime listeners who have been with us for the six, seven, whatever years we've been doing the show know that you and I have both been saying for a number of years, it's not a bad idea to get a quarterback and to develop behind Matt Ryan, right. uh, no matter what, you know, age only works in one direction. <laughs> and so <laughs> he is not going to get any younger. Oh, and yeah. like I said earlier, you know, I think that it is time to start thinking about that. So even if there is some kind of a, you know, a, a not necessarily on the exact same page, I don't think that it means that it's, you know, a disagreement or any kind of contentious thing. Yeah, I, I think that's especially when Arthur Smith has come in saying he doesn't want yes men. He wants yep. you know yeah. people, and so that would completely fly in the face of that. So, and it's very it may very well be that they have uh, different opinions on what to do at pick number four, and that's entirely fine. Uh, mm-hmm. We have seen, and I said this the other day in our chat, we we've seen what two guys being in lockstep looked like with Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn. Those guys at some point actually became one symbiotic human and Mm -hmm. uh, it, they were expressing the same opinions and, you know, high-fiving each other and everything was fast and physical. And um, you know, that we we've seen where there's no disagreement between the GM and the head coach and that doesn't necessarily work any better. So I, I feel like we have to have a little bit of patience and also recognize that the three weeks up until the draft, um, Yes, they they will do something, and it it's will they trade down? Possibly. Will they draft a quarterback? Possibly. Will they draft a punter? God, you know, let's see it happen, just so we can watch the world burn. I just want to watch the world burn. Twitter. I will delete my Twitter account, and I will burn that entire website to the ground if that happens, because I will not want to see the replies from Falcons fans. They will not take a bunch of well at four. I'm not going to lie. I legitimately, at one point during the season, I said over and over, I was like, it's a tough place to be, this, like, dumpster fire of Atlanta Mm -hmm. Falcons Twitter. Like, it was around the time when, like, People were like, fire Dan Quinn. And it was like, okay, oh. here we go. This is what it's going to be. But it's it's a dumpster fire. And I love it. It's it's one of those things where you can't look <laughs> away from it. <laughs> it really was something this past year. <laughs> it was. I was. I came on the beat and I was like, dang, you guys are jaded. I knew you were, but I was just, I was unaware <laughs> how deeply this, this jadedness, I don't even think that's a word, but how deeply that was felt. Oh yeah, this this team yes. has really done a number on all of us. <laughs> oh yeah, there were several of us the the day after the Super Bowl that literally went to Dave, our editor, and said, "Yeah, I can't write about this team anymore." Like we were just <laughs> we were done. We yeah. were done. Uh, of course, I've been doing this since 1980. I 
I have serious issues at this point. So I just lean in, <laughs> lean into the darkness, there you uh, go. as I say. Um, all right. Falcons have that number four pick, as we just mentioned. Um, uh, we have talked about the potential of trading down. And uh, Tori, I want to talk about one of your recent mock drafts that you did here in just a second. But I want to talk first about some of the teams that may be interested to trade up. Because obviously, Everyone's talking about trading down, um, but you have to have a partner. <laughs> like, right. I feel like sometimes <laughs> teams forget that uh, or fans forget that. You know, you, you can't just trade down into an abyss. There has to be someone that's willing to give up that draft capital. And the 49ers have set a really high bar for what the amount of draft capital will be to move up for a team like a Denver um, or even a, the Vikings and the Pats, you know, getting outside the top 10. Um, so in my mind, and, and I want to bounce this off of both of you, um, I, I see just a handful of teams that would have any interest in trying to grab the next QB. Denver, obviously, is the one I think everyone's jumping on. They're at number nine. It's not a massive trade. Um, you know, unless you think Drew Locke really is the future of that franchise, they, they really could go QB again. Um, Detroit, unless you're sold on Jared Goff, um, the Vikings, unless you're sold on Kirk Cousins, um, and then the Patriots with, uh, you know, obviously Bill Belichick, maybe in the last, you know, twilight years of his career, does he want to make a big move to try to finish his career off strong now that Brady has shown that he can win without Belichick? Um, and then even the Bears, if you drop even further back. Uh, what do you think about those teams? Are there any others that you think may be willing to make a move up that we're not considering? Uh, Tori, I'll start with you. No, I think all of those are definitely the ones that I've been looking at too. And I think something that I found very interesting is how, you know, we're talking about the 49ers trade up from, you know, number 12 to number three. And when you're looking at what they gave up for that, you're, you're sitting there, if you're Terry Fontenot, you're like, evil laughing it's like ha 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 like I can't <laughs> wait to see what offers roll in for number four and I really thought that if the Falcons really really want to trade down and they can get uh, I mean I thought that Terry Fano would be able to put in a full-on bidding war with some of these teams that may want to draft a quarterback because I do think that there's a handful of, of teams that would want to jump up there however I will say that I am afraid that Carolina's move or their trade with um, the Jets, it almost to me waters down Atlanta trading down at number from number four, because you thought going into this draft, like Carolina would be some Carolina would be one of those teams that would want a quarterback. So Mm -hmm. even if, even if they stuck where they were, you were like, okay, the teams after Carolina would be just clawing and fighting their way to get to number four so they can make sure that they get Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones or whoever, that the, whoever the quarterback is at, mm-hmm. at, at that point in time in the draft. You're thinking that entire time those teams are the ones that are going to want to jump up. I think it waters down knowing that Carolina is not going to go after a quarterback Denver could sit right there at number nine and be like, all right, like maybe we could get a quarterback to fall to us. It's all going to be about whether or not they see essentially how the first three, three teams fall. I think if Justin Fields fall, you see more teams going up for him. I don't know if you see that if Mac Jones falls or even Trey Lance falls. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how those three 
players kind of play out in the draft. That's interesting. So you think it's going to depend on which of the QBs becomes available at four? Because right now we're, we're making assumptions. Obviously, again, Trevor Lawrence is 100% going to be the oh, first yeah. pick. Yeah, um, yeah. But two and three, we're making some assumptions about who the Jets and the 49ers may be, may be looking at. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that uh, I still think that Zach Wilson will go number two. I think he I mean, I was our uh, Jets writer. He was he wrote the other day. He was like, I'm pretty sure it was after um, Zach Wilson's pro day. And he was like, y'all can go ahead and buy the jerseys because this (laughs) seems like a done deal. So I think (laughs) I think one and two are pretty much locked in that I don't see those changing at all. It's what the 49ers are going to do that I think will impact where Atlanta goes at number four. And I think that's why we may not see Atlanta do much until draft day. I really think that they're going to build in contingencies based off of who the 49ers pick. Wow. I love it. So much draft drama. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> oh, this is such a fun time of the year. Um, Gina, those teams I mentioned, like you know, a lot of them, they have quarterbacks in place i mean in the sense that it's someone who can hold the ball and throw it in a general direction Um, (laughs) yes but the name sort of the the team we heard of uh this morning in our chat uh coming from uh it's sort of out of nowhere was washington yeah and we know that dan snyder he's done it before he made that massive trade to go up and get rg3 um several years ago uh, do you think Washington, the Washington football team, could be a sleeper to sort of want to leapfrog everybody and, and jump to number four? And, and do you think that the Falcons would demand a king's ransom for that kind of move? Yeah, I'm going to answer your second question first. Yes, um, I, I think that, you know, the Niners really did set the tone. And I don't think that they could get that same kind of a hole, like you said, because of you know, Carolina trading for Darnold and that does shake things up a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, I could ask, listen, I would not put anything past Dan Snyder, <laughs> <laughs> not, not anything. And so, yes, I think that he, he absolutely, he might be the most likely person to package up a bunch of picks and send them to Atlanta and just pull something absolutely bonkers on draft night. Yeah. And right now they've got um, Alex Smith, who is mm-hmm. actually one year older the Matt Ryan, he's 37. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just got rid of Dwayne Haskins, their former first round pick. So they definitely need a quarterback. They are sitting at pick number 19. So moving from 19 up to four, uh, that is, I, I have to imagine we're talking about multiple first round picks. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. Sig- that's significant. It would yeah. have yeah, to I be. Swapping first this year and then next year's first. And I would ask for, more than that next year too. Um, Probably a later round pick this year, at least. And then something like a second next year. I mean, look, shoot your shot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I'll be honest, uh, you know, people are saying the Falcons will not be, you know, they hope to not be in the top five again. If you trade with the right team, you may be in the top five again. (laughs) You know, if you you trade mm-hmm. with a Washington team that gives up all their draft capital and gets the wrong quarterback, you may have a top five pick again unexpectedly, uh, sort of like what Miami did, yeah. um, which was sort of a brilliant move on their part. Um, but Tori, your latest mock, I was fascinated because um, a lot of them have sort of built in um, 
you know, the, the trades and the one I'm speaking of, you actually had a trade built in with Denver, mm-hmm. um, first round pick Micah Parsons, uh, love that player. I think that's a great pick. Um, second round, you went offensive lineman, Landon Dickerson center of Alabama, but I want to jump to your third pick because I personally have been angling for this guy as a potential late day two, day three pick for the Falcons if they don't go QB. And that's Jamie Newman, <laughs> quarterback out of Wake Forest, who was going to transfer to UGA. But of course, he sat out 2020 due to the pandemic. Um, he is a, I think, a redshirt senior. So uh, he is coming out and he is a guy that, like, he's wide variance, a tremendous yeah. amount of talent but didn't necessarily always show it in college. What? Just give me your thinking in this mock draft, because I was really intrigued by it. Incidentally, I want to add this as well. Um, you started with a defensive player, and then you immediately drafted like four or five straight <laughs> offensive players in this draft, which I thought was um, very interesting. So tell us a little about, about your thinking in this mock draft, and, and in particular, uh, that pick of Jamie Newman as sort of maybe being that developmental quarterback to sit behind Matt Ryan for a few years. Yeah. So I, my whole point of this second mock draft is I wanted to do something that people hadn't seen before. You know, when we get into doing these mock drafts, it becomes so easy just to get into the humdrum of it and be like, mm-hmm. Oh, like the same four guys that the, that have been linked to the Falcons, like let's look at what it would be if, if it actually happened. And while Michael Parsons is somebody who many have linked to the Falcons after him, it was like, okay, who are some guys that I think would be really interesting pieces to add? And that's kind of how I landed on Jamie Newman because I was looking at it and I was like, there isn't really outside of Jamie Newman. I wouldn't say there's very many, uh, quarterbacks in this draft class that are they're either going in that you know the top 10 or they're going late fifth round like you know right. there was no middle ground quarterback and that was something that I was like okay well, if the Falcons are steadfast in wanting Matt Ryan and wanting him to the end of the contract that he is the only quarterback in Atlanta right now the only one there right. are no other quarterbacks so my thinking is, is you pick up one through free agency And then you pick up another through the draft, but you pick up the other through the draft, not as a number four, but as maybe a middle three, three rounder. And and so that's kind of how I landed on Jamie Newman, because I was looking at this list of quarterbacks and I was like, okay, of the, of this group, who, who could I see falling in in that middle ground and and who could be a beneficial number two behind Matt Ryan. And, and I, I, I don't know how, like, gung-ho I am for them to if they were to actually draft Jamie Newman I don't know how (laughs) gung-ho I would be about that because I just threw that out there because I thought it was really interesting and I thought it could maybe give some people some things to think about and uh, the more that I'm thinking about the more I'm like that would just be it's just very interesting to think about and so that was like my whole thinking what was just like okay if the Falcons don't take a quarterback at number four they have to take a quarterback somewhere because they don't have anybody in that room. So mm-hmm. that's how I landed on Jamie Newman. And I just, I was interested. I was interested by that. Yeah. I, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad because um, there were so many people. I, I, I told my dad this, I was like, so many people take these mock drafts so seriously. Oh, I was do. like, mm-hmm. I'm just doing these for like fun and just to get you thinking about different stuff. And people were hating on me. And I was like, look, you guys, <laughs> This is this is supposed to be fun. Like we're supposed to have fun doing this. No, people were so serious about their mock drafts. 
So I appreciated <laughs> that you enjoyed it. I've put a I thousand curses really... on your future children. What? <laughs> I, I love the pick too. And, um, you know, he is a really interesting prospect primarily because of his size. He is, he's a big dude and he tank. does not completely. <laughs> yeah. He does not completely fall apart when he gets out of the pocket either. You know, mm -hmm. I think that he's very poised, obviously when you're coming out of a program like wake, you know, the strength of competition that he played against doesn't, necessarily going to be top notch right. all the time so but still that said like I think he has all the physical tools to be an effective quarterback in the NFL and give him a couple of years to learn and develop behind Matt Ryan and I think that he could be really interesting yeah and something I'll add to that is just like you know if if they draft a quarterback at number four that puts so much pressure on mm -hmm. Matt Ryan because mm -hmm. think if they, okay, let's say Justin Fields drops to number four and yeah. let's say the Falcons take Justin Fields. As soon as Matt Ryan throws one interception, the fan base will be oh, yes. calling to see Justin Fields. And there will be so much pressure on a brand new head coach on Matt Ryan on Justin Fields to, for that to happen. And I think, it, it, I just, I just think it's real. It would be really good for the Falcons to have someone who you, to bring in someone who you don't have that pressure on. Right. Because I yes. do think with the number four pick, you don't want to sit a number four pick for two years while you wait mm -hmm. out Matt Ryan's contract, or at least to get to a, a situation where it's financially, you're financially able to part ways with him. So if that's not, if they're not looking at like slashing and burning, I think the move is to find someone who would be a project who you okay. would be willing to sit behind Matt Ryan for a couple of years. And then once Matt Ryan's contract is, you know, out from under, out from over, uh, at Terry Fontenot's head, I think that is, that's the point when you, when you feel like, okay, we put the work in for this guy. Let's see what he can do now. Yeah. And I think that's, I think you're dead on. This is the move that if they're not going to take a quarterback in the first round, and, and as you mentioned, sort of put some pressure on Ryan, which I, I, I think he's the kind of professional, he would have no problem with that. But totally. to your point, uh, the first time that ball bounces into the wrong hands, that is going to turn. Actually, I'm I would look forward to it just again because I feel <laughs> like I feel like the Joker from uh, the Dark Knight, where I just want to some men just want to see the world burn. That's oh, yeah. me. I just I want to see Falcons Twitter burn to the ground. I um, literally say all the time, I love the chaos. The chaos <laughs> is the best part. <laughs> it's so much fun. It and is, as you mentioned, the like the mock drafts. Um, like they're coming for your family because you picked <laughs> Jamie Newman in the third. What is wrong with you? Oh my God. Um, it's like, you guys, it's fine. This is just for kicks and giggles. Like let's chill. I mean, it has mock in the title. Right. <laughs> it's not exactly. supposed to be serious. <laughs> yeah. Like you would, these are the people who, if you had a mock trial would literally try to drag out the person persecuted and, and execute them afterwards. Like it's a mock <laughs> trial. <laughs> Lord. Um, all right. So to finish out the, the some of the picks in your uh, mock draft, uh, Kenneth Gainwell running back out of Memphis. A lot of fans love this guy mm -hmm. uh, as a, a potential uh, day two pick, especially after the, the Falcons signed Mike Davis. He, he would be a good compliment to that. Um, ben Cleveland, who I think bench pressed a small building um, <laughs> recently, uh, who is just an absolute beast out of Georgia in the fourth round. Love that pick. Um, uh, Paris Ford, safety out of the pit in the fifth round. 
Uh, Chauncey Golston, defensive line out of Iowa in the fifth round. Uh, Divine Diablo, uh, safety out of Virginia Tech in the fifth round. And uh, Diamador Lenoir, cornerback out of Oregon. I hope I got that right. And uh, Tyree Galipsy, safety out of Missouri. So a lot of defensive backs uh, yeah. sort of in the back half, uh, which makes a ton of sense given the, the massive number of holes the Falcons <laughs> have in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, Gina, you, you've heard now sort of where Tori went with this mock draft. We obviously have a lot of mock drafts over at the Falcoholic. Kevin uh, and our guys work on those extensively. Um, what, are, what are your feelings about the idea of the Falcons sort of dodging that quarterback question another year and going with a guy like Jamie Newman or maybe even you know someone else that's more of a project into day three uh, so that, as Tori mentioned, that a guy like Arthur Smith can sort of, you know, uh, rebuild the roster around and then bring a quarterback in after the fact. Yeah, I mean, I love that. I love that. And I think that the situation that the team is in now with Matt Ryan's contract, I think that it makes the most sense. Um, <clears throat> I do think that the offense is going to be better this year uh, because Dirk Cutter is no longer the offensive coordinator. And so, um, yeah, I just, I, I think that Matt Ryan is going to have another characteristically solid year. I still think that fans are going to pitch a fit every time he throws an interception <laughs> and yell for whoever they have on the roster to start instead of him, but that's just par for the course. But yeah, I, I love that idea. And Beyond that, like, I also am just rooting for chaos. I have no idea what's <laughs> going to happen. I think that it's so much fun. It's like Christmas. I, have, I I don't know what to expect. So I'm just really looking forward to the draft, I think, more than I have in a few years. Yeah, this is, oh, man. This feels like the first time in a long time that the Falcons are one of the most relevant teams on draft night. And mm-hmm. uh, it's fun. Uh I would argue probably the last time they were this relevant was when they made the trade for Julio Jones. Um, yes. They made the biggest splash then. And then prior to that, probably uh, 2008, when, of course, they drafted Matt Ryan. Uh, let me just say, um, I, I am a Matt Ryan fan. Uh, obviously, the Falcoholic, we are uh, a, clearly outgoing fans of this team. Uh, I hope they find a way to uh, keep him here as long as possible. Uh, but I do understand uh, that, you know, you get into your mid thirties and uh, all bets are off in the NFL. <laughs> yes. So, and then regular life, actually. <laughs> yes. Amen to that. Actually, as I finished that sentence, I think I pulled something in my back. Um, <laughs> so final question to close out this podcast, uh, Tori, thank you again uh, for, for joining us. It was a lot of fun. Um, but I am going to ask you the question because I have to. Um, they've they've threatened to fire me if I don't ask you this question over at the Falcoholic Dungeons. <laughs> um, and then Gina will ask you the same one. So prepare your prepare yourself. Um, draft night, Falcons come up. It's pick number four. Um, what do you think the team will ultimately do? So I think if Justin Fields falls to number four, they'll take Justin Fields. I think that if I I think if if you really look at what Arthur Smith said about wanting in a perfect world, having depth across the offensive line, you pick uh, Panay Sewell at at number four. Um, I think those are the two that I'm leaning towards right now. But even in saying that, 
ask me again tomorrow. It'll be a different answer. <laughs> but that's at what what time is it? It is eight twenty five on April eighth. On a, it's a Thursday. I those are my two options that I'm going with. I'm going to ask you about Kyle Pitts on Twitter tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. No. Please do. I literally said I went on another podcast. I, I it was like the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, and they asked me about Kyle Pitts, and I literally was like, I don't think it'd be a great idea for the Falcons to go after Kyle, Kyle Pitts. It doesn't make sense to me. And then today I was looking at it, and I was like, Well, actually, I could see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. The chaos fuels my dark soul. Um, <laughs> Gina, number four draft night. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, so if the Niners do not take fields, I personally think that they will. I know that they've been linked to Mac Jones, but I also think it's really weird that Nick Saban explicitly said that Kyle Shanahan did not discuss Mac Jones with him at Alabama's Pro Day. Mm. I feel like if you want to take a guy, you're going to talk to his head coach, especially if that head coach is the most successful college coach. Um, so that kind of stands out to me. That's why I think that Fields does go to the Niners. Um, as an Ohio State fan, if he fell before, I would go nuts. Like I would be so insufferable. I would be yelling <laughs> the Ohio State University in everybody's faces nonstop. Um, so yes, that's that would be my hope if Fields falls. Um, I actually love the idea of the Sewell pick. And I think no matter what, you know, the offensive line has been a pretty persistent problem. And, uh, yeah, just to, to get somebody in there with that kind of talent, that kind of ceiling would be pretty incredible. I also love Pitts. Like, I don't know. This team has so many needs. Yeah. They could go a million different directions, and I would uh, be happy with, like, 95% of them. <laughs> Hunter, it is. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the first, I think, what, what was it? The first signing of the Terry Fondo era was Don Maggio, and, and it's just, like, hysterical to think about. We wanted a fast and physical punter to come in and compete. Yes. 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 Um, oh God. I'm, I'm like feeling sick to my stomach. If, if something like that happened, um, I, I'm going to throw my two cents in and I think there will be a trade. Um, I, I think one of these teams, I have a feeling it's going to be a shocking trade, but again, I am pulling that out of thin air. I do not have a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and frankly, I just love the drama of it. Um, uh-huh. this, this is so much fun. And just to be clear to those who are listening, none of us have a clue. The only people who have a clue are Fondo and Smith, and they probably don't even have a hundred percent locked in decision yet at this point. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's what makes all of this uh, really, this, this is one of the most fun times of the year, I think for, mm-hmm. for covering the NFL. Um and just a blast to do it. So on that note, Tori, thank you again for joining us on the Falcolic Podcast. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and what you have going on? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so first off, thanks for having me on. I had so much fun chatting with you guys. And uh, it's nice to meet y'all, you know, off of Twitter. Um, but, <laughs> uh, so thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Uh, people can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Tori underscore McElhaney. And then as far as all of my work, you can find it on The Athletic. I am so busy. The month of March, I think I like doubled my story quota because we were just I was just doing so much all the time. So you'll have a lot of content coming, especially with the draft coming up. Um, there's a lot to talk about. It's really I, I said this the other day and I mean it. 
I came on the beat in July, the very, very end of July, right when training camp started. And this is the most fun that I've had while being on the beat. So um, I think that is reflected in my writing recently. I, I think you can tell that I'm having more fun with it. So um, definitely, if you haven't subscribed, you can subscribe to The Athletic. Be on the lookout for some deals coming around draft time. So yeah, that's where y'all can find me. Excellent. Uh, Gina, remind our listeners where they can find you, what you have going on. You can find me on Twitter, usually posting pictures of my dogs at Gina Thomas, <laughs> J-E-A-N-N-A Thomas. And uh, keep an eye out starting on Monday. We are actually doing our 15th annual community mock draft at SB Nation. So all of our 32 NFL sites participate in the draft. They make the picks for the teams that they cover. It's a lot of fun. This year, I'm having writers from around the network, like our own Everett Blaze and Eric Robinson, help me with the post for .com because I am not a draft analyst. I am an editor. So that <laughs> is what I'm doing with those posts. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about that. That's a really fun project. I'm not going to give you guys any spoilers, but I am going to tell you guys that we did not get Justin Fields in the mall. Oh. Aw. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, on that note, guys, you can find me on the Twitters at FalcoholicDW, updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod, and of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Gina Kelly and Tori McElhaney, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.